0: Welcome to the Return of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This Thursday, the New York Film Festival returns for a reimagined 58th edition that continues through October 11th. This year's festival offers the chance for moviegoers all around the country to experience the best in world cinema at drive in screenings in the Bronx, Brooklyn, and Queens, as well as virtual screenings available nationwide. The New York Film Festival has always been about bringing the community together to celebrate cinema. And whether you are joining us in our virtual cinema or at one of our drive-in venues, on behalf of everyone at Film at Lincoln Center, we want to thank you for being a part of this historic edition. To learn more about the festival and purchase tickets, visit filmlink.org nyff. To celebrate the launch of this year's festival, we're kicking off our series of free talks with a special preview from the 58th New York Film Festival programming team programmers Devika Girish and Maddie Whittle led a discussion with Eugene Hernandez, Dennis Lim, Florence Almozini, Rachel Rosen, Ailey Nash, Tyler Wilson, and Dan Sullivan about curating the historic festival in an unprecedented year and the must-see films in this year's lineup. As the festival continues, we'll be sharing Q&As and talks timed with our drive-in and virtual premieres. So whether you are on your way home from the drive-in or sitting on your couch, you'll be able to hear from filmmakers from around the world about their latest work. To kick off the festivities, enjoy this overview from our programming team.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome uh, to this free talk, NYFF uh, FF Kickoff. I'm Devika Girish. I'm the assistant editor of Film Comment, and I'm one of the programmers of the talk section of the festival. And I'm
2: Maddie Whittle. I am the programming assistant year-round at Film at Lincoln Center, and... Uh, with Devika, the co-programmer of the talk section,
1: and we're so grateful and so excited that so many of you have joined us to kick off the festival uh, through this preview. The festival is only two days, or whatever units of time you're using during the pandemic away. So, uh, you know, we're excited to share a lot of things uh, about how the festival came together and what to look forward to Maddie will say a little more about that in a second I just want to start off with a few announcements so first of all just this is the first of a lot of talks that are uh, you know that we're going to announce soon and we'll say more about that in a bit. All these talks are presented by HBO so a tip of the hat to HBO. Uh, There will also be podcasts occurring throughout the festival so, you know, um, you can plug into the festival that way and there's going to be more details about that announced shortly. We also encourage you to subscribe to our newsletter, our social media channels to ensure that you don't miss out on any of the exciting uh, updates and festival announcements that we're going to basically be churning out constantly for the next three weeks. And uh, last but not the least, thank you so much to the Film at Lincoln Center board, patrons, members, and dedicated moviegoers like you who make our work possible throughout the year. So a big thank you. Uh, Over to you, Maddie.
2: Thank you very much. Um, We are really excited to be hosting this event, which we see as uh, sort of a way of kicking off the talks program uh, for this year's NYFF. We've been hard at work for the last few months organizing talks around uh, all of the sections of the festival um trying to bring filmmakers and other knowledgeable people into conversation with one another about some of the themes that we've um sort of drawn out of the lineups of films that will be available uh, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later in the talk but um this panel sort of serves as an introduction to that format if you haven't joined us for any of our virtual talks this summer. um, They are all conducted sort of like this via zoom and live streamed and uh, it'll uh, there'll be an announcement coming tomorrow about the preliminary talks lineup uh, with some really exciting um, highlights uh, that you'll be able to check out. Those are all free uh, and again, presented by HBO. And uh, we're really excited to get that going. Uh, But in the meantime, we're very happy to be joined by most of the selection committee of this year's New York Film Festival. And we're going to introduce them in just a minute and give them a chance to talk about uh, their sort of initial thoughts about the sections that they've been working on this year. And uh, then we'll sort of get into a conversation Uh, ask them some more probing questions. And towards the end of the session, there will be time for audience questions. So um, Jordan will be in the chat um, communicating via text uh, so you can follow along with him. And if you have questions that you'd like to submit, uh, you can do so via the Q&A function at the bottom of the Zoom window. Um, So you can do that. You can submit questions throughout the conversation and then in the last 10 or so minutes, we will Um, turn the, we will present those questions to the programming team. Uh, So
1: I think, have I touched on everything, Divka? I think so. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think maybe we bring in the members of our selection committee now, but we'll actually start off by bringing in Dennis Lim and Eugene Hernandez, who've taken the helm of the festival this year. And they can talk a little bit about the festival's new structure and team and, you know, how they started working on the festival even before, you know, the pandemic began with a lot of new ideas. Hi, Dennis and Eugene.
3: Howdy. How's Hi. it going?
1: Uh, so if
2: you'd like to just briefly introduce yourselves and, and maybe say a few words about uh, your new roles this year. Uh,
3: I'll, I'll start off. I'm Eugene Hernandez. I'm um, Deputy Executive Director at Film at Lincoln Center, where I've been working for about ten years. Uh, this year, taking on this new role um, as a leader of the festival. Um, you know, I I have a long uh, history with the festival, so it's it's really meaningful on a personal level and a professional level to be in this to be in this uh, to have this opportunity to be in this seat. Um, it's just a festival that has. Um, you know, from the very first time I attended in, in on opening night in 1994 um, has has shaped uh, so much of my understanding and knowledge and passion for for cinema. So um, I'm uh, looking forward to hearing, um, Matty and Devika, I'm looking forward to your questions, but I'm also especially looking forward to some of the questions from our audience. I'm just scrolling through and I see a bunch of familiar names, so it's really good to have the opportunity to talk with you all. Um, happy to be here. Hi, Dennis. Hey. Um
4: I guess I'll go next. Um, so I'm uh, Dennis Lim, and I've been the director of programming at Film at Lincoln Center since uh 2013. Um and yeah, as, as you mentioned, Eugene and I took over these roles uh earlier this year. Um uh I've had the um privilege of serving on the New York Film Festival Selection committees, um For 10 years before I took on this role, Um, I worked with Richard Pena for three years and then with Kent Jones for seven years. Um, And this year had the opportunity to chair the selection committees and also to, um, you know, in collaboration with Eugene, just rethink uh, the structure of the festival. Um, So, you know, it was really a process of two things that we wanted to achieve. One was to kind of streamline it and clarify the identity of this event, which obviously has such a strong um, identity and legacy going back 58 years. Um, And also to bring in some outside voices um, and to... Highlight some of the, you know, um, internal programmers, the year programmers, um, to, to build this robust team of programmers, uh, and advisors, um, uh, as the decision-makers for the festivals for who, who, who make the calls and what films we show and how we show them. And of course, uh, both of you, Devika and Maddie, are crucial, uh, to this process as the programmers of our talk section, which we are not going to talk about uh too much right now since we haven't announced it but uh that the first
1: was... rule of, of a free <laughs> talk: don't talk about okay any of
4: the um time. but uh yeah anyway i know there's lots of great stuff planned
1: and uh, you know before we uh kind of go into the main slate in more detail could you talk a little more about how exactly the structure of the festival and the sections have changed you know just a brief overview uh before sure. we go into the granularities
4: sure um Eugene can jump in at at any point if I'm I'm uh, missing anything. Um, It was what we wanted to do was kind of uh, reduce the number of sections. Um, The the festival has sort of grown in recent years. I would say in the last eight years or so, especially when um, Film at Lincoln Center you know added its new um, added additional screens. It was a festival that took place on four screens. we wanted to just sort of streamline these into fewer sections that were clearly defined. Um, the main slate had to stay. This is the heart of the festival. This is the core of the festival. It is the, you know, it's, it's this collective statement, collective response by the selection committee to the year in cinema, a collective statement on, you know, what matters right now. Um, so that would have to stay, but I, it, it, we wanted to create, um, a kind of, to really put together a more complete picture of contemporary cinema. Um, so the ne- the next thing we did was to create a session called Currents. You know, there's always been room in um, the festival programming since the early days for, you can call it experimental film, you can call it, you know, just sort of less classifiable work, you know, more formally challenging work. Um, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there was a long running program called Views in the Avant Garde. And then there was another one called Projections that Ivy Nash and I worked on for um, six or seven years. Um, Currents is a continuation of that strain of programming. And it's like the biggest iteration that has yet existed in the festival. It's a, fest- a section that is about the same size as the main slate. Um, and we think that it, it's a section that complements the main slate nicely. We also wanted to have a section called Spotlight, um, which, as the name suggests, is um, a showcase for high-profile, high-impact films. We can talk a little bit more about about what what this year's selections are, Um, and Eugene and I worked on that together. Um, uh, And I should say I chaired the main slate and the current selection committees. And then we have, um, we've always had room for older films in the festival, uh, in our revival section. Um, And it was important this year for us to, connect the revivals to the rest of the program. And I think the programmers this year, Florence Salmozini and Dan Sullivan, have done a wonderful job of that. Um, and lastly, uh, and very important, the talk section, um, which the two of you have been hard at work on in the last few weeks, um, which will, uh, I think, be especially important this year, you know, in the absence of Physical gatherings outside of drive-ins. I think this the idea of the talk section as this sort of as the virtual meeting place um, As the opportunity to create context and conversations um, for the festival So we're not really changing the mission uh, The idea that you know, the basic idea of this festival which is to survey the urine cinema and to, to to take a stand on, on what we believe in um, but we thought it would be helpful to create a more legible program structure um, for people who might be new to us and also for people who might be, you know, who have been following us over the years. I think one, for me, like one real uh, flaw of the festival in recent years is is how certain films would tend to fall by the wayside just because there were so many sections and so many films in them. Mm-hmm. Eugene, you have anything to add to that or?
3: Yeah, I was just thinking as you were, as you were talking, Dennis, I was thinking about, um, there was a there was a kind of elegance and, a, and a, a simplicity to the festival. If you look at that, like kind of list of, fe- of films in the festival in the early days, it before there was a main slate, it was just the festival, right? There was just a, a strong section of films, and and over the years, I think understandably, as the organization grew, as we as the organization added more theaters, the, it was natural to want to explore and add different sections. Um, but I think you know the conversations that you and I had at the beginning of our of our process of, of diving. And this is before pandemic. And, you know, at, at really back in January, February, the conversations you and I had as we were embarking on these roles and then the conversations we had with uh, folks like Madica, uh, Maddie and Devika, people on our staff and people in the office about just, you know, taking feedback about how, and from people in, out in the world, audience, filmmakers, others. Um, I think it, it, it just made sense to just kind of clarify and simplify and, um, just kind of refresh the festival and the way it's organized and 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 it it really um i think it i think there's a there's a there's a kind of elegance now to this new structure that really makes a lot of sense and I hope it does to the audience as well and I think that's you know today we'll talk more about some of the films in each section, but I think just hearing hearing you talk about it, I think it just really reminds me that these are these are really the goals we set out um before the pandemic and then a whole bunch of things happened during and, and, and throughout the summer uh, of the pandemic that, that you know, challenged some of those um, intentions. But I think we ended up uh, where we kind of hoped, you know what I mean? Uh, and that, that's refreshing and reassuring uh, that, that we got there. You know?
4: yeah. I hope it also encourages people to um, you know, just not stick to one section, but to yeah. look for sort of connections um, across the program um, because we, we think there, there are some interesting ones.
3: We had these conversations that that Maddie and Devika were recall. We'll were recall with our full staff, and we were talking about. Festival, we had this day where we everybody was offering different ideas and suggestions. And the greatest takeaway, one of the greatest takeaways I heard that day was um, it would be great if we could make the festival shorter. Um, unfortunately, this year, we actually went in the opposite direction. We made it a bit longer. Um, but, you know, that's something that I think we'll talk about in a little while as we talk about how we engage with an audience and try to get, you know, as many films in front of people. Um, it goes, it, it, it deserves underscoring what Dennis just said, you know, you um, don't just focus on the main slate. There's just there's just so much to explore and discover uh, in every area of the festival. And I really hope people, anybody who's who's watching now, will will take a take the opportunity to to just try something different or challenge themselves to see something that maybe they've never heard of or wouldn't have otherwise.
1: Not you, to focus on the main slate. Sorry, Maddie. Did you? I was <laughs> going to focus on the main slate, but you can
2: you can explore these things from the comfort of your own home, thanks exactly. to our virtual yeah. cinema, which we're all exactly. very excited about.
1: And now to the main slate, uh, which I've heard uh, Dennis and Eugene describe as the films that matter. And I'm very curious to hear from the other people who have played a role in selecting the main slate, uh, Florence Almazini and Rachel Rosen, um, if you could introduce yourselves and if all of you could give us some insight into what it means for a film to matter this year. And we should
2: before you do. We should mention that one member of the main slate selection committee couldn't be with us today. Um, Cam Collins, um, K. Austin Collins, as you might know him, um, who's just recently uh, taken on a post as a film critic at the Rolling Stone, um, and uh, he unfortunately wasn't able to join us today. But he's also on the main slate selection committee. So um, Florence and Rachel, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Um,
5: thank you, Maddie, and um, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Florence Elmozini. So I've been a programmer um, at PIMA Clinical Center since 2014. Uh, I've been working on the New York Film Festival for the last few years and among other things, because I also work all year round on programming, mm-hmm. including First Run, uh, Rendezvous with French Cinema, New Director, New Films. So I have um, some experience in programming, uh, one could say. Uh, Working on Men's Slate this year was really exciting. uh, First of all, because it was um, a new committee, new section. Uh, Obviously, we didn't plan for the pandemic, but uh, in a way, I have to say that because it changed everything, um, it was also very challenging, but very creative uh, in terms of not just depending on movies that would play in Cannes and just like looking beyond. Um, It it was, yes, certainly challenging, but I think the result is really interesting and we have some big names, like familiar names, um, in terms of director, actors, uh, studios we work with, but there's also a lot of movies that are really, really worth discovering and maybe would have not find the same place in, in Men's Slate. Uh, maybe some would have had to wait for new director, new fans, Sometimes we, or they wouldn't really stand out um, in a bigger section. Um, so it was, I think overall I'm really pleased with the selection the committee has put together.
6: Uh, I'm Rachel Rosen. I'm on the selection committee for the first time this year. So that was really exciting for me. Uh, Briefly, my first ever festival job was as the director's liaison at the New York Film Festival, which was a job I had for three years. So for better or for worse, the New York Film Festival is responsible for uh, my career as a film programmer. Um, and I went on to work at the San Francisco Film Festival, um, for 20 festivals, 10 as Director of Programming. Uh, I broke that up in the middle with some, uh, work at Film Independent in Los Angeles. Um, and it was really, uh, exciting for me to be part of this committee for a lot of different reasons. Um. One is, I mean, I I had such a wonderful team of programmers I worked with in San Francisco, uh, but after a certain amount of time, you get into a shorthand that you use when talking about films. So it was kind of exciting and intimidating to be a part of a group uh, and have these discussions about movies um, with people with whom I didn't have any shorthand, uh, even though I've known some of them for quite some time and talked about film. Um, And just that idea of being able to talk about cinema and the way that points to the world was really an incredible sort of thing to have each week. Uh, So I I really feel like I'm, I'm looking forward to audiences getting that from the festival coming up because being able to watch these movies and engage with them it, both in the ways they relate to the real world and just as pure cinema and the way they relate to each other it w- was really thrilling for me so that that was my experience
2: thank you all i think um we
1: should we introduce the other sections now yeah um, well, let's let's okay. bring everyone on and and we will go about uh, go into the specific movies by the way but we want you to meet you know, the people who've been choosing them. So next up are, drum roll, pick
2: pick, Maddie. Oh, uh, well, I uh, the next section that we will talk about is the current section, uh, which was programmed by Dennis, Florence, uh, Tyler Wilson, and Eileen Ash. So uh, Tyler and Eileen, if you want to turn your cameras on. Hello. Hi, thanks. Uh, Hi. Do you, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Tyler, go ahead.
7: Um, My name is Tyler Wilson. Uh, I'm a year-round assistant programmer from FLC and uh, one of the members of the current selection committee uh, and uh, head programmer of Shorts with Eylee this year on Currents. Uh, For the past few years, I've worked on our short section of the festival and uh, also programmed Shorts um, in our New Directors New Films Festival for the past few years as well.
8: I'm Eileen Nash, and I've been a programmer with the festival since 2014. As Dez- Dennis mentioned, um, we co-program the projection section for six or seven editions, um, and I'm now um, working with Tyler, Dennis, and Florence on currents. Um, yeah, should we say more about our working process, or? just
1: a little bit
8: you know about your experience
2: maybe an overview of the, the the current section and how it's structured and um sort of the shorts features breakdown
8: yeah so dennis florence tyler and i do the features together the four of us um and this year um previously um the projection section only had about six features and now it's very exciting. I think we have 14, 14 features, um, which is, yeah, we're really able to see a bigger swath of the, the kind of filmmaking that's, you know, um, really should be part of the festival that didn't we didn't really quite have space for previously. Um, and uh, the shorts also used to be broken up into projections and the main slate. And now we have all the shorts living within Currents, um, which Tyler and I programmed together. And we're also now not really thinking about um, narrative shorts, experimental shorts, doc shorts as um, separate entities, but really looking at them all together. And they're all kind of, living together within eight shorts programs um and so yeah it was really exciting to um work with tyler and to kind of reimagine how we approach shorts this year tyler you want to add anything
7: yeah i mean i'll I'll maybe add add to the shorts um this year we're we were able to present a pretty hefty number of short films i think we're we're showing 45 in total Um, and I, I'm sure those of you who have looked through the lineup already, a few of the directors may stand out to uh, anyone familiar uh, with um, projections and the main slate, but we also paid uh, close attention to newer directors too. Um, I think nearly a third of the filmmakers um, are making their debut uh, in the festival this year, um, some of them with their, their very first film. Uh, so yeah, it's a section where we can really showcase new and uh, innovative voices, um, wherever they might be in their artistic careers. Um, uh, but it's, uh, they're all films and filmmakers uh, who are taking risks uh, in, their, in their filmmaking.
1: Before we move ahead. Sorry, I'm just oh, going to
7: jump yeah. in quickly and say,
4: just to build, um, on, build on Ailey's point about how the, the shorts were all brought together um, and not demarcated as narrative documentary experimental. That was something we wanted to achieve across the board as well. Um, one thing, one change that we made structurally was to not have a documentary section. Um, I'm really not a fan of thinking of documentaries as a separate other category of film. I mean, you know, a film is a film, and I think that... A, it is sometimes hard to even say whether a film is documentary or fiction. So I think you'll see that the main slate this year, in the absence of a documentary section, there are documentaries across the board in every single section. And the main slate has more documentaries than in decades, I would say.
1: I was just going to also ask before we move on, uh, you know, it's interesting that currents is sort of equivalent to projections. And that's kind of like, Projections is like a future oriented name, and currents is, you know, current. And I'm just curious how, you know, you came up with the names, and I'm sure that relates to your philosophy of, of putting the section together as well.
4: Um, I don't know. <laughs> um, the names, I don't know. The names are names. Um, <laughs> I think the program speaks for itself. There were uh, a
3: lot of conversations about names, weren't there, Dennis?
4: Yeah, we're you know there's there's only so many usable <laughs> names. <laughs> um, I like the I like the idea the I don't know the current suggests a kind of fluidity, maybe a kind of uh, you know um, that 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 we wanted to achieve with this section. Um, it is basically. I wouldn't say it's exactly like projections. It's sort of like a bigger tent projections, I would think it encompasses more types, more forms of experimentation, um, different ideas of innovation uh, than 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 projections. Um, even though obviously it has a lot of, you know, because Eileen and I worked on projections. So in some ways it is a extension and a continuation of that, but it also folds in a lot of the work that, you know, Tyler had been doing with the Shorts programs in recent years and also, um what florence and i you know think about in some of our year-round programming for new directors as well so um it is it is uh, just an expansion of that and yeah i think um i think currents is a better name than projections <laughs> uh we'll just leave it there
2: and then uh, i guess we only have one more person to bring on before we sort of dig even deeper, and that is Dan Sullivan, uh, who, along with Florence, uh, co-programmed the revival section of the festival. Uh, Dan?
9: Yes. Uh, Hi, I'm Dan. Uh, I'm one of the programmers at uh, Film at Lincoln Center, one of the year-round programmers, I should say. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm uh, one of the uh, the two uh, programmers of uh, the revivals section this year. Real quick, uh, yeah, I guess uh, I've been around for like about a decade, I think. I was an usher, uh, and then and then I started programming in uh, uh, 2014, uh, uh, you know, when Dennis uh, came up with that silly idea. Um,
4: Do you want if, to tell everybody how that happened? <laughs> <laughs>
9: uh, I did not win a, a trivia contest, uh, <laughs> but in any event, um, We'll, we'll have a separate chat or a separate talk during the festival about this. Um, in any event, uh, yeah, so I've been uh, involved with the festival for a number of years now. Um, I used to uh, work on the retrospective section with uh, Kent Jones um, for a bunch of years. And yeah, I think we just wanted to kind of rethink the way that we incorporate um, older films into the festival. Um, I th- I, you know, I think retrospective often uh, there were a lot of like incredibly uh worthwhile like amazing retrospectives I saw in the context of the New York Film Festival but I wonder if more years than not like the retrospective could kind of get lost in the fold because everyone is excited about new work that's kind of the whole point of a of our festival at least um so you know I yeah we just wanted to like rethink how uh, older films like integrate into the rest of the festival and uh yeah and then uh Florence Amosini who's usually my who's one of my usual like uh year-round partners in crime came on came on the uh the section and uh and yeah I don't know we went ahead um but I think we wanted it to yeah we wanted the revival section to be more of a companion to the rest of the festival than it's been in previous years we wanted it to operate as like a kind of historical like <clears> aesthetic <throat> maybe even intellectual like supplement to a lot of the other films that you're going to see uh elsewhere in the lineup um and maybe we can talk about some of those films in in more detail but i also don't want to like hog the microphone uh when uh yeah i'm only ha- i'm at best a, a third maybe a half responsible for the section so florence you got you got anything
5: so where's the to where you told dan <laughs> Um, well, one of the things we did for Revival was, um, we trying to connect with the rest of the festival. So there was one, one way was to, uh, talk with a director in main state or current and ask them to pick uh, a film to present, why that film mattered to them and to, you know, look for something, uh, that was either restored or rare or something that would stand out in the... In the section, but also often uh, in this type of classic uh, section, the restoration is very important to maybe the depend of the actual work. So there's always a lot of restored film from the 30s and to the 50s, and there's some great work, but it. doesn't always feel like very lively. It feels like something, you know, like you could watch on TV or like quietly when you feel like it. And it was not something that really spoke to us. We really wanted to um, go in certain decades. So we really concentrated in the seventies, eighties, nineties, which seems maybe a for restoration, but at the same time, why not? Because if you try to look at a print, from the 80s, it's probably going to be faded uh, and you're going to be disappointed and you're going to think, why did I love that movie so much? It just looks like not that great now. And just to go like, like, the content had to matter. Uh, And also because the year has been so uh, political, um, it was also important to us to look uh, uh, for films that would have a political content. It's uh, a documentary on Mohamed Ali's, a documentary on Jim Baldwin's, uh, among others, are really strong work that would matter any other time, but were very, very uh, important for us this year. And we were really excited to be able to show them in the best possible way. So you can just, when you see, like, contemporary film, documentary, or like movie that talks about what's happening in the U.S. today. But you can also see what was the same, like, you know, there was some similar question in the 60s, in the 70s, and things, you know, always hoping that will change. But then you can go full circle. Um, and I thought there was something important to showcase in a revival this
8: year.
9: Yeah, I, I just want to add that, you know, um, that's definitely true that these, uh, you know, these kinds of, revival sections classic sections and festivals can often just feel like um a recapitulation of some part of like a, of you know like a universally agreed upon like film canon or something and we wanted we didn't want to do that uh we wanted this we want our section or i think we did at least uh we like if it succeeds it'll feel a little bit like an argument maybe about the history of cinema um about how cinema relates to society and politics and, and sports in the case of one of our, uh, at least one of our films. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I just think we uh, we came at it from a different angle than we have uh, traditionally, maybe, maybe in a way that kind of um, is more consonant with like the work we do on our year-round program where we definitely um, are thinking about these questions all the time.
1: Yes, that leaves us, <laughs> the talks programmers and I'll just say three things because you'll hear more about them soon. They are all live. They're all free and they're all available worldwide, which should be pretty fun. Uh, and I'll let Maddie add to that.
2: Yeah. We've, we've had a really, um, a really good time thinking deeply about the films and all of the other sections of the festival and how they can be entered into conversation with one another and who from this Panoply of filmmakers uh, and other creative sort of voices we would like to put into conversation with one another and um, so as you'll see tomorrow when the talks lineup is announced um, we've tried to bring together f- filmmakers and films from uh, different sections to bring bring different sections into conversation with one another uh, we, we've tried to balance those kinds of of uh, reaching across the aisle with Uh, sort of deeper dives into individual films, individual filmmakers' careers. Um, And uh, then panels as well, sort of round tables, more this type of a format, um, bringing together filmmakers from different films, along with scholars, writers, critics, uh, other people who uh, we feel will have something interesting to say, some interesting perspective and insight to add uh, to sort of enrich the conversation around these films um and so we're we're really excited to share all of that and um definitely tune in from wherever you are in the world uh these will be happening at different times uh of day uh, throughout the festival so hopefully you'll be able to join us um
1: and yeah and, and i just want to say like the whole fest the festival as a whole is it is really topical you know i, I There's no other way to say it, I hate using that word, but really this is like a very timely lineup uh, in terms of the films, uh, in terms of the way they're being presented. And so we're hoping that talks will be that sidebar where I think a lot of the themes that the programmers have had sort of bubbling underneath have been implying through their selections. We're gonna try and really create a space to talk about them uh, and talk about issues of politics, be it protest or sustainability, and other things that we've just been talking about in culture uh, because all the films really do relate to those issues in, in very engaged ways. So we're excited about that.
2: So I think um, now that we've introduced everybody and sort of uh, laid out the map of the festival, um, we will ask Dan and Rachel to hop back on. I see they've turned their cameras off uh, and we will sort of, get a conversation going with the group. Um, I'm interested in uh, any highlights that any of you would like to share from your sections, um, things that may have sort of gone overlooked or been under discussed um, in sort of the anticipation of the festival that you want to highlight to encourage people to not miss.
1: We'll start with the main slate maybe and I'm just to add to that I'm especially curious because you've mentioned how this year's main slate has like discoveries alongside some of the biggest names and maybe like uh yeah even the discoveries or the kind of newer rising filmmakers seem to have more space uh than in previous years so maybe you can talk about that mix um well
5: um i know that we will certainly talk about opening night uh, and the three films by steve mcqueen uh so maybe i will Instead of starting with BS, I would maybe start with the uh, Discovery and maybe the newer name uh, that came in the festival. It's true be because we work on new director, new film, we we'll, we're we'll always uh on the lookout for new talents, like the cinema of today, the cinema of tomorrow, uh wherever it's like one film or one director. Um, and it's it was really interesting to work in that concept a little bit deeper um and not to rely just on the same, uh, you know, like 10, 15 very familiar names that would pop up at the New York Film Festival every year. Uh, So some of the discovery would be uh, often in like world cinema. One of my personal favorites is uh, *Disciple*, a film from India by Shetani Tamane. He made Court a few years ago, and it's a really beautiful film. uh, exploration uh, from a young musician, a uh, search for perfection uh, and disappointment in life. Uh, it has a, its own rhythm. I, I think it's a very, it's a marvelous uh, film, and I hope people will take a chance of a movie from India. Don't, it's been quite a while since he had one in men's slate, so it was kind of exciting. Uh, beginning, uh, it's a film from Georgia. It might be, I think it's, I think it's the first film from Georgia in men's ever in the festival. Uh, so really, uh, your experiment, uh, from a young filmmaker called, uh, Dea Kulumbe gashvili Uh, she had, um, a short in New Director a few years ago. Uh, it's a very striking and very strong, disturbing, um, A movie about um, uh, following religious family that are like harassed by the police uh, and by their neighbors and all things that could come uh, to them. But it's extremely well shot. It's strikingly uh, beautifully to look at uh, and very disturbing when you look at the content. But it's it's a very interesting. Uh, filmmaker that I think we want to see more from um you know i, I love tragic jungle it's a movie from mexico by also uh when uh, I mean, she's made three or four films uh uh before uh, i think it's the first time she's in the festival it's um a sort of um, drama in the jungle where you don't really know uh, if myths and reality gets mixed up. it's also very beautifully filmed with um, beautiful beautiful uh, work of uh, with the cinematographer. Uh, it's disturbing. it talks about opposition with um, men and nature, white men and and uh, colonialist uh, background too it's um, it's a very interesting film so. Just a few that I think I want you to talk about.
3: I'm going to, throw in, I'm going to throw in one. You know, I was looking... Oh, I'm sorry, Rachel. No, go ahead. I'll, I'll throw in one and then throw to Rachel. Um, I was just looking at the list of films that are playing in the first few days, and I should have paired that up next to a list of films that also have uh, tickets available. So I'm not necessarily sure if I'm mentioning a film that still has space, but I hope it does. Um, I, I was really taken with a film in the main slate called um, The Calming, and it, it's just such a, I don't know if, if folks uh, know the work of Song Fang and and saw Memories Look at Me, which was in the festival a few years ago, um, but there was something just totally um, kind of mesmerizing for me about this film in its kind of, in its quietness. Uh, it, it's the story of a, of a woman, a young woman, uh, who's um, kind of navigating some, some relationships uh, in her life, and and that, and the relationships with her own family, uh, and kind of reflecting on some aspects of of her own life. But there's something about the way that the film. I think it was about the timing in which we saw it. Um, Dennis and Rachel and Flo. Uh, it it it. I think the word tranquility is used in the in the description, and it's such a and and the title of the film is the calming. I think there's some, there was something just so. Um, nourishing and um, meaningful about uh, kind of the the observant um, nature of this movie that that actually brought a sense of calm amidst uh, a summer of of so much um, stress, anxiety and and conversation, deep conversation about so much. This film invites um, kind of a pause and an observation that I think, was really um, inviting, enticing, and also very rewarding for me. So it's a film that's playing very soon on the schedule, and that's why I chose sort of um, this one to highlight. It's playing um, in the virtual cinema starting on the nineteenth uh, for five days. So I hope you'll just seek this one out, The Calming, and and give it a give it a look.
6: I was just gonna sort of talk a little bit more about the nonfiction films uh, in the main slate. But as, as and I want to echo Dennis that I was so excited that they were part of it because I mean, you can look at a film like I Carry You With Me, which is very much a hybrid that has narrative and nonfiction or even the centerpiece film Nomadland, which traditionally would probably be defined as a fiction film, but has so much uh, natural observation in it that um, it's hard to draw a distinction anyway. But even within the more traditional nonfiction films in the festival, there's such a wide, beautiful wide range. both in terms of style and just in terms of experience versus discovery that we're talking about. So, you know, it's no surprise to see Frederick Wiseman's latest film. uh, And, you know, it will not disappoint you to spend quality time observing like the political process on a very, specific level in Boston. Uh, Same goes for Sam Pollard's really wonderful uh, uh, MLK FBI documentary that, um, you know, takes a subject that's been dealt with in nonfiction films before and really goes deeper, uh, not only in terms of presenting information that hasn't been seen or heard before but also just talking about that very information and how it's going to be used historically and filmically um right through i won't talk about every single one of them right through some like wonderful mid-career uh documentaries like uh noturno and gunda and um Swimming Out Till the Sea Turns Blue, which is a wonderful documentary by a filmmaker whose narrative work has been shown uh, quite often in the New York Film Festival. But to me, the real discoveries are the first and second time documentary filmmakers whose films absolutely deserve to be in the main slate, along with these masters. Um, The Truffle Hunters, which is a wonderful, prismatic look uh, at a culture that is swiftly changing and fading away, Uh, but um, the film that really impresses me so much is Garrett Bradley's Time. Um, This is uh, such a beautiful documentary and there's so much to say about it uh, in terms of the really important and timely issues that it's discussing, but what's really beautiful about it is this exploration of family, of faith. It's really a dialogue between uh, Garrett Bradley and the film's participants, uh, both cinematically, and because uh, the main participant in the film shot so much of the footage and and the way that footage is integrated uh, with the new footage is really beautiful, but just also in terms of how it expresses these really important issues by showing the impact on the really small, mundane elements of our lives. Uh, You know, usually films that deal with issues tend to hit on like big uh, crisis Points And this film really makes a deeper, I think, argument by uh, looking at the minutiae of a life and and the love between this family.
0: Um,
4: I'm just going to, I think, make one point um, because most of, uh, many of my favorites have already been mentioned, but uh, I just wanted to say that one thing that we did explicitly talk about, the four of us um, and, and Cam, is this idea of maybe not having a preconceived idea of what a main slate film is. Um, and that was actually made for some interesting conversations. It was like, why does a main slate film have to be a film of a certain quote-unquote size or by, of, of a, or by an auteur of a certain stature? Um, you know, of course there are going to be you know familiar faces and regular names if Hong Sang-soo and Christian Bessel keep making great films, we're gonna keep showing them. Um, but it should not seem like a parade of my like, usual suspects every time you look at a festival lineup, especially for a 58 year old festival. Um, so, and we were also quite mindful about wanting to correct some blind spots. Like, it's insane to me that India hasn't had a film in the main slate in nearly a quarter century, and that Georgia, with its rich cinematic history, has apparently never had a film in the festival I found out today, which is also, you know, a, a big oversight. So um, it's, uh, so those things, you know, definitely came into, factored into our discussions and factored into the process of, of looking for these films. We were definitely surprised <clears throat> in the process of programming. And I think that's always a good thing. And I hope that that translates to the people who are writing by the festival, the people who are watching the films as well.
1: I'm kind of, I want to kind of switch over to currents now. And, uh, you know, something that I've been kind of catching up on the current selections and I've been struck by is, you know, the words like like experimental and avant-garde and all of that are sort of thrown around and people attach certain ideas to them. But the current section is so eclectic, but it's also like, it's so funny. Like someone said it earlier, it's like one of the funniest sections in the festival, like full of really playful uh, experiments in with narrative and form. And can you kind of talk about, you know, how uh, it ended up in, in with this particular kind of tone? And yeah,
4: you know. I agree. I think Currents is where all the comedies are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do think these are some of the, the wittiest films in the festival. And I, I could name you know, any number of them. Um, Nico Pereira's new film, Fauna, uh, I think is one of his, he's such a smart filmmaker and I think this is one of his smartest and funniest films. Um, I want to also mention this uh, wonderful essay film um, by the Argentinian director, Nicholas Zuckerfeld. Um, We showed a short of his a few years ago and this has... Uh, this is the wonderfully titled there are not 36 ways of showing a man getting on a horse i think i got that right um which is a um a sort of found footage film and then a uh an essay film uh i won't say more than that um and i really want to single out um the two films by heinz emig uh in the section which are to me just completely like one of a kind heinz has been um Working for decades, um, in many modes, uh, just redefining you know what an archi- film about architecture can be. And in this recent cycle of films, um, I think he's just completely liberated uh, and making films that are in some ways about the biggest questions imaginable, but also have a completely wild um, idiosyncratic sense of humor. They're unlike anything else. Um, but yeah, I don't know that we even really consciously um, thought about that as we were putting a lineup together. I, I know that all of us, I think, did respond to those films for for that reason because of, of how um, humor was was one big, big, big uh, part of it. Um, but, Yeah, as I go back and sometimes you you get lost in the process a little bit when you're in the middle of programming and then only after, you know, you you pull back and look at the lineup as a whole, you're struck by um, certain currents, certain things running through it and certain, um, yeah, and certain, uh, I I like that you call it eclectic because for me, this is is, uh, a wonderfully eclectic uh, group of films. But I'll let the others jump in.
7: Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to shout out another comedy um, that's on my mind because I, I just recorded a, a Q&A with the directors, which is uh, just one of the many stranger elements about the festival this year. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll shout out a Slow Machine by Paul Felton and Joe DiNardo, um, which is a very um, um, independent New York maid. Uh, I guess you can call it a, a comedy thriller. It's ostensibly about an actress who gets involved with an... NYPD intelligence officer uh, in the sort of the downtown scene of Manhattan. But I don't know, I think its sense of humor and and its very sp- peculiar atmosphere and, and the really amazing performances by Stephanie Hayes and, and Scott Shepard, I think, really shine in the ways they all sort of resist, sort of the way we bring our own expectations um, to genre films um, and certain kinds of performances. Um yeah, it's, a, it's just a very funny, strange, thought provoking uh, idea of a very particular uh, New York milieu that uh, I definitely encourage people to check out either online or um, I think it's screening uh, at our Brooklyn drive-in. Oh, wait, I should also, sorry, it, it, it's also screening with a short film uh, by uh, Mark Jenkin called Hard Crack the Wind. Um, Mark Jenkin was um, in New Directors, I think a year ago with his feature film Bait, um, uh, and this film is a, a different kind of spin on a genre film that kind of aligns with Slow Machine. Uh, this film is, is more or less a, a kind of ghost story set in uh, uh, in Cornwall. And I expect you'll see other connections that emerge between that and Slow Machine um, as you finish the program. But yeah, it's a really uh, fun uh, pairing of films.
8: Um, I want to highlight our opening night film, The Inheritance by Ephraim Massili, who is a filmmaker we've been showing for years in projections. Um, We've been showing his short films, and it's very exciting. This is his debut feature, and it really incorporates a lot of the kind of observational documentary style that he had been developing over many years in his shorter form work. And he's really, brought elements of that into the feature, but also um, really expanded his formal approach by writing a script, working with actors, and you know, really kind of housing some of that documentary material within a narrative. And um, the film is about a group of young black artists and activists who live collectively in a house in Philadelphia and is also um, thinking a lot about the history of the Black Arts Movement and um, brings in um, legendary figures from the MOVE um, group as well as uh, poets like Sonia Sanchez. And um, it's also really quite funny and uh, enjoyable and it is opening our section on Friday um, at the drive-in, and I believe there are still more tickets for that. So, um, really recommend you come out to see it in your car. And if you can't, we'll be showing it also virtually as well, of course. Um, um, and I also really want to encourage people who haven't watched many shorts in the festival to explore our shorts programs. We have eight programs. Um, A lot of, if you follow projections or the main slate shorts in the past, you'll see some um, alumni, um, you know, some figures from um, Ben Rivers, Sylvia Schettelbauer, um, Kevin Jerome Everson, um, Ricky Jamrose. um, Many familiar names, but as Tyler said, a lot of of new um names and um a lot of younger filmmakers um making really exciting work so yeah please um explore the short section
5: i I, I agree on what you just said about the inheritance which is a really wonderful film uh everybody loved it uh on the committee right away but in addition to all the meaning of the film and uh, historical and political context, it's also a movie that really shows his love for cinema in so many different ways. And that's also why it works so well. Um, it's You can tell that he has so many influences that created a new style, a new genre, a new voice. And it's impossible not to fall for a movie that just works so well and mix every angle of art together. So it's a really, really great film. And I would love to see it on the big screen with
6: with everyone.
5: Um, one other film I really liked, uh, it's Jan Janvito, A uh, Socialist Smile. Uh, it's a very unusual documentary and um, sort of a secret life of Ellen Keller, who was a uh, very dedicated progressist, activist, uh, fight, um, Working for labor's rights and uh, women's rights, um, which is it's not something that's well known. Uh, the movie is really um, beautifully made um, when you explore our voice and the way um, what you would say, our text was transcribed on screen in so many different ways. But it's also a movie that has also a lot of humor in it, even so you would not think that you could have a laugh about it and cather. Uh, but in t- she was a very, a very funny woman too. And uh, one quote that sticks with me from the film is about uh um uh, what did Congress do for you lately and it's nothing and it's just like well it's been 100 years of Congress <laughs> been difficult so it, it has a lot of humor also uh, but it's 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 a really beautiful documentary so uh, I hope people will want to explore this secret life of Ellen Keller
2: well, we're uh, I, I'm looking at the clock and being conscious of time and I know we we don't want to keep people too long uh, but we do want to leave some time to let the programmers answer some of the questions that have come in from the audience, uh, which we appreciate you submitting. Uh, and uh, so I guess, Devika, do you want to take turns um, sort of shuttling some questions from the audience to to the
1: programmer? Sure, let's let's have hear a little about uh, some of the revival selections first, okay. um, and then maybe we go into the questions. So maybe Dan and Florence, sorry,
9: yeah, nice. There's time, not a ton Maddie. of time, but
1: it's sort of a shorter section. So I feel okay in giving you a little less time.
9: I'll talk and, very I'll talk very quickly.
1: It's well represented <laughs> in talks. I will give that as a hint. So I feel like there's gonna be you know, people will have lots of opportunities to discover this amazing section. But maybe tell us a little bit about your picks.
9: Sure. I'll uh Florence, I'll I'll make with uh with three uh rapid fire uh recommendations and, what, and you can take it from there all right first i'm gonna recommend a film that's not in our section but is very uh kindred is actually in uh currents um but maybe under different circumstances could have been in revivals i don't want anyone to sleep on uh the tango of the widower of the, the widower and it's distorting mirror the latest uh dispatch from Raul ruiz from beyond the grave uh long live Raul ruiz um uh i think Check this film out, uh, even if you know his work, you're perhaps not expecting this. Uh, it really truly is something. And I'm not just saying that because of the novelty of it being his third or fourth posthumous film, I forget. Okay, so uh, then um, I'm gonna say that typically with our section, we uh, we don't really have the luxury of uh, discovery uh, by virtue of what it is, um, but uh, but this year we we at least have a have a pretty solid rediscovery, I think, which is the Iranian film uh, "The Chess Game of the Wind," uh, 1976, screened publicly just once uh, before it was banned uh, following the revolution in 1979. Um, totally astonishing uh, film, a debut feature by Mohammad Reza Aslani, Um for fans of sumptuous like poetic, refined, uh, period films. Uh, you could, uh, you can't really do much better than this film. It's exquisitely shot, incredible score. And, uh, yeah, we're very happy to be spotlighting this, uh, too little known, uh, masterwork of Iranian cinema and hopefully it'll have a whole, uh, life now. And I shall, also, sorry, i I just also want to add, uh, fans of, uh, you know, the or maybe like the Kubrick of Barry Lyndon or something should definitely tune in. They will, there'll be something there for you. And then, uh, I'll recommend one film, uh, of ours or one and a half, uh, that's playing in the, in the drive-in, uh, Muhammad Ali, the greatest by, um, by the, uh, similarly great, uh, sorry, there was a motorcycle passing by. Um, uh, the, uh, similarly, uh, great, uh, photographer and filmmaker William Klein, um, in my mind, this is like nothing short of one of the uh, one of the great uh, sports documentaries, but also one of the great political uh, documentaries. Um, it is a film that I think miraculously manages to attend to nearly everything that Muhammad Ali represented, and that is a really tall order. But trust me, watch the film; I think you'll agree. And we're showing that in the drive-in along with um, with uh, Meeting the Man, James Baldwin, in Paris. Um, which was directed by Terence Dixon, shot by Jack Azan who you might know is the director of films uh, like A Bigger Splash. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, I think I'll leave it there and see if Florence thinks I missed anything.
5: Well, you did miss some. I'm surprised you did not mention Clouds uh, of Shanghai by Wu Um uh, but... It's one of my favorite films of all time, so I was really excited that it's been uh, restored uh, by Janus Criterion. In the Mood for Love, uh, which we've been talking about with Mokawai uh, Retrospective, that's finally coming up in December, if it goes well. Um, Damnation Char, uh, also an amazing restoration. Uh, you can't go wrong with, with that. Um... And maybe one film that's not in revival, even though I wanted it in revival, but apparently I could not have it in revival. It's a um, really incredible uh, film. Uh, um, um, well, now I'm blanking on the name. That's really amazing. Oh, Upper both, Wells. Sorry.
4: Wells. <laughs> yes. It's not in revival because it's not an old film.
5: <laughs> well, it, it's not an old film, but yes, it's it's, yeah, depends on written, how but I don't know we had discussion about that it's a gr- it's it's definitely not to be missed. it's two hours of conversation with uh Orson and Dennis Hopper, and it just it it's just um incredible so it works in every section so.
4: and you get a rare opportunity to see it at the drive in this friday as well yeah it
5: in queens right
9: Please, please don't be misled by the fact that both my co-programmer and I recommended films from other sections when talking about our own section. Um, you know, I think we both we both perhaps wrongly think that a lot of these films are, like, so undeniable that they speak for themselves, and perhaps we're wrong in this, but I think uh, if you watch all of the films in revivals, uh, perhaps you'll agree uh, that these films speak for themselves, and they're incredible, so
1: thanks. Yes. All right, I... I think we sh- we'll go into audience Q&As now. Uh, some audience uh, members have been sending in questions. Sorry, we're keeping everyone, including panelists and everyone who's watching, a little late. But, you know, that's what happens when you have a great program and endless number of films to talk about. So, uh, Maddie, do you want to start shooting some questions? And whoever turns unmutes themselves first will answer. That's, that's the rule now. Sure. I see that we've got a couple of
2: questions, um, along similar lines, they will sort of, uh, hybridize. Um, several people in the audience were interested in, uh, the number of films that were programmed and whether there were challenges inherent in coming to that number as a result of the pandemic and changing release schedules. And, um, are just wondering if there were, uh, sort of how the actual contours of the program were affected by the moment?
4: Um, there was there was some impact, but um, I wouldn't say it was enormous. Um, a few films that we looked at um, fairly early in the process actually um, told us that they were gonna hold for next year, which a lot of films have done um, uh, and wait to premiere in a hopefully post-pandemic world. Um, and other than that, um, yeah, a few uh, release release schedules did move a little bit, which affected the availability of a couple of films. But that happens every year, to be honest. Um, you know, and I feel like programming there's just so much of just navigating those kinds of concerns. It's not like programmers have access to like you know, it's it's not like every film that's been made up to that point is available to you. There's just so many like realities to navigate. It's not like ordering off a menu. Um, so we really we do that every year. It, it you know it just didn't feel um, a little bit more of it than usual. But 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 um, similar to uh, the how we would navigate that question um, in terms of the size of the program, number of films. The intention was to scale it down a little bit. Um, so I would say it is this years program is maybe 25 percent smaller than last year's which and we were sort of hoping for it to be about maybe 10 to 15 percent smaller so you know it's the idea was to was always to make a tighter festival but um, there was no shortage of submissions um, for short films as Tyler and Eile can attest um, and there were plenty of films that we found worthy of uh, discussion mm-hmm. and, and and you know we, we we could have shown even more eugene or anybody else have any thoughts on that
9: uh i could say something uh about um availability films for revivals because it's like such a different thing right um we yeah i mean a lot of the there was no one working in a lot of the archives for much of this year and i i think that set back the restoration and uh film preservation calendar uh not 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 like myself being like totally in that world. I couldn't say with any kind of specificity, like how far it pushed things back. But um, yeah, I think there were some things we were counting on for this year that are won't be done until next year because people couldn't get into the labs and so on. But, um, but, uh, but besides that, I think um, just like the upheaval and the stress and angst and like inspiration and, Everything that's like gone up into this moment is actually like one of the more kind of generative things to respond to uh, uh, that I've encountered like in, since I've been in film programming. So it's almost like uh, uh, there were challenges, but, you know, um, it felt right and it felt like productive to kind of respond to those
1: uh, there's a really interesting question about the increased uh, accessibility of films via the virtual screenings. Uh, someone says, this is Lily Haynes, my sister who doesn't really follow film wants to sit down and watch three of my screenings with me, which is rather lovely. Uh, so could you kind of chime in on, yeah, just how how you're feeling about the fact that the festival is nationwide in a sense, and maybe you could also tell us some films that you're excited about, the drive-in screening especially, because that's also not exactly the theatrical format.
3: One thing I'll start with, and and others can jump in, um, the second part of your question, is um, the process of putting the festival together, uh, starting with the conversations we were having back in March and April, um, the process evolved in ways that we really couldn't predict, I think, because there was a time, uh, well, there was a, time early in the spring when we just assumed um, that we'd be back in our theaters by the time the festival rolled around. Um, but also I think that uh, the virtual platform that we've launched is, is new and and we didn't know, we didn't know for sure that um, any number of the films that we've invited to the festival would be willing to participate in um, on the platform. Um, that was, a, was something we didn't um, sort of plan for, or expect in, in, in the kind of complete, the kind of richness that we're able to offer on the virtual platform. As it turns out, it was like it was like such an such an amazing. Um confluence of you know putting this platform together where we've been working behind the scenes with folks at Sundance and, and Toronto and working on a similar platform and just trying to get a system in place that would be that would meet the expectations of both distributors and filmmakers in terms of quality in terms of piracy uh, security issues all that kind of stuff and actually it turned out um, that all of that came together we had to put this platform together and then you know I think 99% of the films at the festival are actually available um, there's been a whole, you know, negotiation process. Whole for, for another conversation, another day. Just a, a, a negotiation with with distributors on you know the number of streams and and the window of time that films would be available. Um, so if there's a film that um, still has streams available and you're interested, please uh, please jump on that quickly because there's a limited number. Um, but it, it's something that I don't think we really we couldn't have imagined or predicted that. That festival would have such a such a rich array of films available to it on the platform, and that the platform would be available nationwide. I think that's something that's really significant, and and we're starting to hear about that. Just I'm starting to hear about that from folks, and, and we're hearing about it from folks who are who are outside of the typical audience of the New York Film Festival, being able to to tune in and to check out films, um, you know, really for the first time. So that it's a it's a transformative aspect of the festival that I think uh, will probably have uh, longer term ramifications once we sort of get our heads around. Um, you know, and get and get beyond the current moment.
4: Um, I guess. Am I happy about the accessibility that you know virtual screenings provide? Yes, but does it? Am I happy that we're non-cinemas? No. I mean, you know, that's. Yeah, that's that's not uh, that's not ideal. That's not what any of us want. I think um, all the filmmakers made these films with the cinema in mind, um, and we were aware of that. Um, but we do think that there is an upside to you know these measures that we've devised. I mean, if, if cinemas are inaccessible, we do have drive-ins. That's the only way we could do it um, legally and safely in New York City at this point. Um, and I am actually yes, very very happy that people who um, don't live in New York um, can watch um, you know almost every single film. Every I think all but two feature films, and every single short film will be available on the platform. And your question, uh, Devika, about uh, watching films uh, about drive-in, I, I am i haven't seen a film on a big screen since uh, early March, so I I can't wait. Um, I'm really excited to see Steve McQueen's Lover's Rock uh, on opening night on a big screen with people. Um, and I'm also excited to see films that would never Ever have a drive-in screening? Really, um under any other circumstance, like you know, Matias Pineros' Isabella, uh, I'm very excited to see that. Simon Liang's Days. um I also re- recorded a Q and A with him, and I asked him because he's been showing in so many different uh, forms over the years, like galleries. And I was like, "Have you ever shown a drive-in?" He was like, "No." So this will be uh, Simon Liang's first drive-in screening uh, with one of his very best films. Uh, so I'm excited about that too.
1: Anyone else have any uh, quick drive-in picks?
9: I've never been to a drive-in movie, actually, so I couldn't say you know, like what would be the best fit without like really understanding the phenomenology of it. So I'm going to find out. um, You know, uh, that's actually a a few days.
1: A lot of people in New York will be discovering uh, drive-in screenings through through this time. So so that's that's fun. Do we have room? Can shall we squeeze in just one last question before we close out, Maddie? What do you think? Yeah, I think that's fine. Um,
2: do you have one queued up, or shall I choose one? Just go ahead. Um, I see a couple of questions that are about asking about process. Um, one that I find interesting is uh, the question of selecting shorts to screen with features, and what sort of goes into that process. I think. There's an intuitive element to that process that um, might be hard to articulate, but um, I'm interested in, and I think we can expand that to also the question of programming um, shorts programs and um, any kind of occasion that we have to bring films together to screen as sort of a package.
7: I guess to touch on the the first part of that question, um, as far as figuring out what, what short to pair with a feature. I mean, Eileen, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I felt like we had these, uh, you know, three or four shorts that one of us maybe really liked um, as we were sort of reviewing submissions that we weren't quite sure would fit or make sense in a program. And and I don't know, it, we, we, we maybe just hung on to these films and just as we were figuring out um, final deliberations with the features, um, I don't know, a, a lot of these pairings sort of just came up. Pretty naturally, um, and the fits just—I don't know—made sense as we were, um, yeah, discussing our final final picks over Zoom. Um, yeah, as 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 for the as for the other programs. Uh, um, it involved digging into a combination of solicited and open submissions. Um, as Dennis alluded to earlier, we had about or over fifteen hundred uh, films to work through, and we had obviously the opportunity to work with you, Maddie, Shelby, Shaw, and a few other submissions assistants who helped us enormously review films along with our our pre-screeners. Um, but I mean, un- unlike the features. Um, most of the submissions we review have always been on our laptops. And in, so in many ways, it was business as usual, uh, except uh, all our sort of conversations were, were done over Zoom, which, in, it, I don't know, in many ways was more regular than than ever before in, in previous years. So I, it it just felt like a very uh, natural and ongoing dialogue throughout the summer that, that made thinking about and selecting the films really easy um, uh, as I spoke to everyone that's in this Zoom room.
2: Well, I think seeing as we are uh, in a Zoom call that's sort of replicating the process that Tyler's talking about, this seems like a nice moment to to draw the curtains on uh, on this chat. What do you think, Divika? Uh,
1: I, I think, unfortunately, things have to end uh, even when they're on Zoom. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that sounds good. I'm sorry we couldn't get to everyone's questions, but Like we said, lots of talks coming, you know, consistently throughout the festival, all online and live. So you're really going to have a great opportunity to send questions, not just to us, but other filmmakers in the program, other really cool people. So just keep tuning in. Uh, I also want to give a shout-out to, you know, there's so many people at Film at Lincoln Center who are not here who, like, make the festival happen. Uh, so just a shout-out to all our colleagues uh, working behind the scenes, especially Jordan Roth, our digital marketing manager, who has been uh, feeding you information and producing this talk. So thank you, Jordan. Um, thank you. And, yeah, Maddie do, do you have any last words for the
2: crowd before... Just that I'm uh, excited to, to connect with people, uh, mostly virtually, I don't have a car, but um, maybe maybe a few, few in-person uh, hellos. Um, but a virtual festival is still a festival and I'm really thrilled that we are going ahead with it.
1: Oh, well, thank you everyone. Thank you, our panelists. Everyone's been working super hard. Uh, can't wait for Thursday. And, you know, looking forward to seeing everyone again very soon
0: thank you
9: yeah thank both of you and thank all of you
1: thank you all thanks